Hello, and welcome back to the third episode of After School with Dylan Mack. Today we are interviewing Lior Lev Sikars, who is also regarded as the Spice King, and is also a cook and has a very interesting backstory and how he came to be. In this episode, we are interviewing Lior and asking him questions such as how he got into the cooking business, how he found his passion since he was younger, and how he overcame the problems that arose to him. If you'd like to support this podcast, please share it around. And if you'd like to support me more, please go to my Patreon page or just follow me everywhere or just shout me out. Anyways, the podcast will start right after this. So hello, Lior. Welcome to After School with Dylan Mack. And you know, just to start off the podcast uh, today, in general, is uh, for the sake of the audience, just I guess just basically introduce yourself to to everyone. You know, just get sure. you know, who you are. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Lior Lebser Cars. I live and work in New York City. I've been here for twenty years. Soon, I'm from Israel. Uh, and after 25 years or so of cooking as a professional chef, I started a spice and cookie company called La Boite, located in Manhattan. And we do both online business. We have a storefront. We do a lot of food service uh, business to restaurants and other food producers. Okay, great. So they were just like, so I have a signature question actually on my podcast, like most podcasts do. And that's... uh. So just imagine you're you're like a sophomore in high school, okay? You know, it's a it's like a Tuesday afternoon or something after school. Like, what are you what are you doing? You know, what's younger you doing? Uh, probably going horseback riding and fishing. Wow, that was my uh, that was my high school days. Horseback riding and fishing. Yeah, I lived in uh, in a kibbutz, which is kind of a sort of a village, communal village in Israel. So I had a horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the af- in the afternoons after school, I'd go and you know feed the horse, clean, uh, and then uh, I lived next to a, a very nice river where there's great trout fishing. So I'd go fishing. And like, did you cook the trout, or like, was it just for fishing for the sake of fun, or did your parents or? Yeah. No, fishing for fun, but, you know, uh, I caught fish quite often. Uh, so I just start a fire right there on the banks of the river and just cook a fish with a couple of friends or bring it back and, you know, give it to a friend or give it to my parents. Uh, and sometimes you catch nothing and you just spend a great afternoon outdoors and you go back. Okay, so you were, I think it said I was looking around on your website and it said you were in the army, correct? That's correct. Three years. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so what's that like? That transition from you know, I you probably get asked that a lot, but like from the you know military or whatever to the in the you know the culinary, and how did you make this yeah. this switch over? You know. Yeah. So, most Israeli, a large percentage, aside from you know, obviously, if you have any health and and issues and whatnot, but most young Israelis get recruited at the age of eighteen. Women serve two years. Men serve three years. Um, and it's done right after high school. So there's no college like there is in the U.S. So 
at 18, a couple of months after, or maybe six months after you get drafted, you do your service in various capacities. I was in the artillery uh, and then, you know, got promoted to be a sergeant at some point. And part of my duties as a sergeant were to make sure that my soldiers were fed. So I had to deal with the kitchen uh, staff and the cooks and everything. So I think that was kind of my first interaction with professional cooking. I always liked cooking as a teenager at home and but not, but never on, in a professional environment. And so that was kind of one way to get into it. And then later on, I traveled for about a year or so in South America and, and found myself cooking more and more. And upon coming back, really decided to give it a try, see if that's a profession that I liked. So before even enrolling into a culinary institute, I worked for about three years before making that decision to go into a, a professional cooking school. And like you said, when you were younger, you always, were you, did you, when you were younger, did you always envision yourself to be something in culinary or was it more after being a sergeant? I, I don't think I had a, a real game plan. You know, I was always kind of jealous of, of you know, teenagers who had a really you know, straightforward path into medicine or, or legal, you know, stuff or, you know, more academic. I just went with it. There was no main, there was no game plan. I always loved cooking. I never thought of it to become my profession. I kind of went with it. So you did work as a chef, you said, right? And then... Correct. But now do you consider yourself like a, like a, like a spice blender or a creator or like... What do you consider yourself I'm still, now? I still, you know, if people like, I'm a chef and spice blender. I think they're, uh, they're both true and they're both combined. I still cook a lot. I use my knowledge as a, as a professional chef while dealing with spices because at the end of the day, uh, you use spices for cooking. So I think that just dealing with spices without the culinary knowledge to me would not make sense. So uh, I do both. So yeah, how is it? What you do now different from how you were as a worked when you worked as a chef before? Because I assume you worked in a- well as a chef in restaurant. I you know I cooked in various restaurants in Israel, then in France, then in the U.S. Um, now I primarily blend and source spices, but I get to test them with food to make sure that these combination work, that I could provide content to our customers, uh, and so on. So it's primarily the spice business with uh, integrating the, the cooking part versus before, which was only cooking. There was very little spice, if at all. So you think that your years working as a, as a, as a chef or restaurant is vital in your spice blending now, you think? Oh, absolutely. I don't think I would have been, um, and not to you know sound pretentious or something, <laughs> but I don't think I could have been good at what I do today without um, those 20-something years of cooking. I, I think, I don't know what else it would be, but I, I see an amazing value in applying this knowledge into what I do today. Yeah, so speaking of, what is just your, can you describe your overall just like cooking philosophy? Like, I think I cook, well, first of all, I cook for people. That's kind of step one. I, I always think about, who I'm cooking for, whether it's my children and my wife, whether it's friends, whether it was clients at the restaurant, is 
it's always kind of the starting point. I mean, who is going to eat this? It kind of, is it just a snack? Is it lunch? Is it breakfast? Is it dinner? Kind of, are they just starving and they just want something very nourishing? Are they here for more of an experience? And then alongside with it is where I am cooking. What am I cooking with? What's the season? Kind of what's the mood? Uh, I don't like planning ahead. I mean, the mood, I mean, what mood am I in? Kind of what's going on so around like, me at the let's time. Let's say the mood is like very sad. Like you're, like you're at a funeral. And then what, what is, like what food translates uh, to, to like... I don't yeah. know that I've ever had <laughs> to deal with that. But I think that there's something about comfort. You know, when you need a little comfort. And people are a bit more adventurous where they're in a better mood. You know, uh, so you can introduce some new flavors. But... I think to me, cooking is really a way of, of bringing happiness to people, whether they're just starving or, or whether they just want to enjoy a great moment. So it's something that I'm always very um, kind of intrigued and concerned is, is what will make somebody happy, yeah, you, you know, cook. via the, yeah, via the food. Uh, and obviously there's different influences and what's on the market and what's available. I, I'm not a big fan of, of planning ahead of time unless I have to because I have to commit to a certain event. Um, and, I, and I do like to improvise a little bit, like have a good base of what I'm going to do. But then kind of last minute, I was like, you know, maybe we'll just do something a little bit different. And because that's, you know, I, I wrote a menu three weeks ago and I felt a certain way. And now I'm in the kitchen and I feel differently. So. Yeah, so how do you actually yeah, how do you write a menu? Like do you are you just sitting or walking around and you're like, oh, this would be great, or like you know, do you actually sit down and like start like you know, putting things together and seeing? And then how do you imagine you make a dish that might be good, do you then have to test it or is it you're just like, Yeah, this is this is Uh a lot of what I do I've done at least once or twice and kind of either modified it, you know, changed it. Or just, you know, kept it the way it is. You know, writing the menu, same thing. I mean, it's who is it for? What's the event? How many people? Logistics is an important part. You know, is it going to be in a venue with very small or very little equipment? Uh, you know, it's it's outdoors or so temperature. So there's a lot of factors that go into what is feasible. Obviously, there's a budget a lot of times, you know, depending on the event. Uh but, you know, writing a menu isn't necessarily only on paper for something. It's just planning meals for our family for the upcoming week. You know, what do, you write, do you write menus this? for your, for your, I don't write menus, <laughs> but I was like, okay, what should I buy from the store to have this week? What's in season? This could be fun. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, so I don't sit down and write a menu on a, like on a chalkboard or on a piece <laughs> of paper, but. You know, going going grocery shopping is is a little bit of writing a menu. Okay, so so speaking of so yeah, so then you're you're a cook, said all that, but then you became a spice blender, or you said it's kind of like connected to each other. But now, do you like do you enjoy blending spices more than you know? I guess cook. I don't know, cooking is a big term, but like you know what I mean, like hands on restaurant you know I, dishes i think they're equal i get excited equally about both uh because you know i make the blends and then go and cook with them 
So making the blends is, you know, it's step one of cooking. It's true that, you know, I blend spices for others. So then I hand them over people who will cook with them, which makes me equally happy that I'll be part of their cooking, whether they're at home, whether they're at the restaurant. So uh, my responsibilities, you know, it's, it's quite big. I'm, I'm giving them a tool for them to make good food. So have you ever like cooked something that like you thought was really good, but then, you know, people around you are like, this is, uh, I don't know, not amazing or whatever. And then how do you normally yeah, fix I mean, If that I've, ever happens, how do I've you fix done, that? Yeah, just... I've, I've cooked stuff where, you know, I thought it was good. <laughs> and then I don't think anybody thought it was horrible. Oh, or yeah. Unedible, <laughs> but people are like, okay, I, you know, it's, it's good. That's not my, <laughs> you know, my thing, uh, which is fine, you know, um, because as I said earlier, I try to always think of who I'm cooking for. It's one thing if I cook for myself, which happens barely never. Uh, it's rare uh, that it's just for me. Uh, so I try to think about who I'm cooking it for, or who's going to be eating with me. It's like saying, okay, you know, if it was just for me, I would do it like that. But I know that there's other involved and maybe uh, I should just do it in a way that will please not just me, but the other ones as well. I never do it in a way that I don't like it. And then I was like, somebody else is going to like it, but I wouldn't eat it. I would never cook something that I wouldn't eat. Well, is there any like, is there any food you don't like then? Uh, I don't think there's any. Uh, there's a couple of ingredients that I'm not crazy about, like, but they're like easy to leave. I'm, I don't like bananas. Really? Uh, and I don't like persimmon and melon. So when someone's like, please make me in a, a delicious like banana bread, you'll still make it fine. Like. So I do love banana bread. But I would never peel <laughs> a banana and eat it like that. Or, Interesting. Or banana or like banana cream pie or banana bread pudding or or like these i that's not for me i mean you'd ask me to make one i'll make it uh but i do love banana bread and so but there's nothing really that except for dorian maybe which i will decline uh, politely i've never yeah. tried is it have you tried yeah. it i've tried i've tried it in bali and because i <laughs> had to try it um how's the smell I heard it's pretty bad it's it's pretty bad, yeah. So <laughs> I tried it. I moved on. I also am not a big fan of tofu. Really? Uh, that, I uh, love tofu. Yeah, I mean, I had some really amazing tofu, but it's not something that I'll go and buy and prepare. It's something about it just doesn't attract me as a as an ingredient. And speaking uh, of like preparing things, like, so what do you normally? Because you have two kids, right? Yeah. So my kids uh, are quite picky eaters they're they're good eaters but they're quite picky one picky eaters meaning like yeah fruits yeah no one will eat only fruit vegetables and yogurt which is great it's very healthy that's so healthy really that's not, good <laughs> yeah no it's great i would love for him to eat some protein uh but he doesn't so i'm not panicking about it uh and the other one is a bit more adventurous so he will eat like meat and fish and you know uh but on the on the flip side he would not touch a piece of fruit uh, so they're so like kind, kind of, of like sun and moon kind of opposite um so i decided a while back that i'm just going to ask them what they want to eat 
Really? And whatever they, yeah, and whatever they want to eat, that's what they eat. I'm not forcing them to eat anything. You know, it's on the table. If they want to try something, they're more than welcome to try it. But it's not like you have to eat pasta or you have to eat a salad or you have to eat something. You know, it's there. Uh, but if you just want to have fruit, vegetables, and yogurt for dinner, that's fine by me. So are you ever eating something and then there, one of them might be like, oh, that looks really interesting. Can I, can I try that? So my, yeah, my youngest, who is much more adventurous, he would be like, oh, what are you eating? I was like, this is like, can I have some? I was like, of course you can. So a lot of times he'll try it and he really like it. But it's coming from a very easygoing approach. You know, I'm not like, oh, you know, do you want some? Should I make you some? And then sometimes he will say, okay, I tried it, but I, you know, it's, I don't like it, which is fine. So also. you're saying you cook more for your kids in like separately because one of them only likes, yeah, fruit. I yogurt. do. I do. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to cook for them. You know, it's very straightforward. They eat pretty much the same things all week. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's one thing I don't have to handle or it's, it's quite easy to make. Uh, what about for you and your, your So for me and my wife, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have dinner you know, after the kids go to bed and then, you know, I'll, you know, try to cook. We eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of like grains and, and legumes, uh, fish here and there, meat here and there, but primarily vegetables cooked or raw or in different preparations. Um, and then, you know, once in a while go out, we both love going out and testing new restaurants and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite kind of like, Cuisine? Is that how you pronounce it? Oh my god! Cuisine. Cuisine. Yeah. Cuisine. I, cuisine. Right, Listen, I'm from I'm from the Middle East, so I have a big, you know, kind of you know passion for anything Middle Eastern. Uh, but I do enjoy you know French cuisine and and uh, Indian food, uh, Thai food. Uh, I do love sushi. I don't crave sushi like many other people who are like, I got to have sushi. <laughs> I will eat it and I enjoy it very much, but um, I could also live without sushi. Uh, really? That's probably one of my yeah. favorite foods. I know, but, you know, it's uh, I'm very open about it. And, and I do like it a lot. I mean, when it's prepared, I enjoy it very much. Um, so when you eat, you don't yeah. eat it with like an open mind, you'd say? You know, you're tasting with a... I'll try anything and everything, you know, uh, there's just some things that I am, you know, more attracted to or like, oh, I, I'd love to go and get some, you know, pasta somewhere or, you know, uh, or Indian food or, or different types of other food. Sushi wouldn't necessarily be one of the top three. Uh, well, did your wife ever cook at home? Was it mostly just... just no, she cannot cook to save her life. She... <laughs> <laughs> she is not great at it. She's very well aware of it. She's she never cooked for your kids, though. She's never cooked for oh. unless if I'm if I'm away, she will. I mean, she will reheat or make <laughs> an egg. That's kind of the extent. I mean, or you know, it's or she'll text me as like, uh, "How do you make pasta?" or something like that, or you know. So yeah, I make sure that even when I'm traveling, there's always food that's ready to be reheated and does uh, she she uh, i assume she do, do you yes yeah, so actually let's talk about the spice blending process 
So I, I assume, let's skip ahead a little bit. Like when you when you have the finished product, like that you like actually let's just like let's just talk about the entire process. So one, how do you? Because I assume how many spices do you have? Probably around like you said, like two hundred. You said three hundred. Yeah, there's over two hundred or so. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you're making like. Because I assume you're still making spices now, creating them, right? And do you just yes? Do you have like a like a base? Like do you? Because I'm I'm per, like I'm, I love to cook. I don't know how great I am at cooking compared to you know other people, but it's very uh it's very interesting to me. It's probably one of my biggest interests. And I'm wondering like you know do you do your spices revolve like do you start it with like a main certain like ingredient you say, and then you build around that like to highlight that ingredient, or do you you kind of just do you do that except with multiple ingredients and then you take all those and then try to highlight all of those or like, how do you, how do you create a spice? I guess, you know, how do you just, yeah. So same, you know, making a spice blend is, is a bit like creating a dish is kind of what's the concept, what's the story, what is it meant for? If it has a specific purpose. And then from that, I start pulling you know, spices, which are the equivalent of an ingredient in the dish, saying, you know, how how will I tell that story? Do I need heat, some salinity, some sour, some sweet? Uh, what are the dominant uh, things? Is it coarse? Is it fine grind? So the more you do it, the better uh, you get at it. And, and it's a bit easier. It's not easy. It's just easier to kind of sit down and without even touching any spice, writing down a sort of a rough recipe. So yeah, fine or whatever, blend. course, yeah. Yeah, the, the, but even the ingredients and the flavor profile and the scent profile and then go and get these ingredients, start measuring them, tweak them a little bit. But uh, again, the more you do it, the better you become at it. And, and it's the process is a bit shorter each time. So you think, so how, long is, how long did your first spice take you Versus, like, you think now, like, since your last, your most recent spice, how long has it been? Uh, I, I think that in the first couple of years, I just went back more often and kind of tweaked them with the grinding level, with the percentage of each spice. So like, oh, is that good? Should I try to change it? And then with time, I, I figure out that usually, you know, if, if it doesn't kind of work the first time, I should just move on to the next thing. Uh, really? So that, yeah, I mean, I, I try and if I find myself kind of, I, I can't decide, you know, and keep in mind again that, you know, I never judge the spice just by the spice itself. I, I start cooking with it. Some things are surprising, you know, you taste them as is raw and they're very strong, on the contrary, a bit weak, and then you start cooking with them. It's like, oh, okay, this could actually be really nice in certain applications. So um, that's kind of one thing that's different, <clears throat> one big difference that's from uh, cooking a dish. You cook a dish, you taste it, and then it's like, okay, it works, it doesn't work. With the spice, it's just step one of before you start adding other ingredients. So how do you determine, how do you determine the applications of a spice? Because I assume not all spices taste great on fish or meat, or do they? Do most spices, like, you know? Um, I mean, I try them usually. In, I don't cook everything from scratch. I'll take a, over the lapse of, I don't know, a couple of weeks, whatever I'm preparing, 
I'll take a little bit of that and sprinkle a little bit of that spice that I'm tasting, or testing, I should say. And then I was like, okay, you know, this and dairy, not so good. Or, you know, this and if I do do fish, it's actually better on a fry fish versus a, a seared fish. And so I'll taste the spice with small amounts of stuff that I'm already preparing. And then if needed, I'll go a bit more in depth. It's like, okay, now let's do a recipe from scratch using that spice and then evaluate with the protein, the produce, the cooking technique, and so on. Okay, so so then, yeah, so in general, then who has been, like, I guess, your biggest, like, inspiration for all of this, you know? like So the biggest, kind of, yeah, I mean, I worked for... Um, a very well-known chef in France who's still around. He just doesn't cook anymore. His son took over, but he has a spice company. And I had the chance to work for him in his early years with the spice company. He was very well established as a restaurant and a chef. His spice business just started. And I was very impressed with his kind of work and research and kind of innovating in the field. And he he was great, he became a real mentor figure and kind of, you know, showed me how to do my own kind of research and how to get there. And so he remains today a very big influence on, on what I do. And so this podcast is actually for um for people like, I guess me, I don't know, kids, like you said, like when you were younger, you didn't have a direct path and, you know, what you want to do. And... I don't know. The aim of this podcast is for kids like me, I guess, that want to, you know, just want to, like, so this whole podcast is interviewing different careers, right? And, like, maybe someone has an interest in the culinary world, like, in what you work in. And so I'm just wondering, you know, in your opinion, what the most important, like, personality, I guess, trait or, like, slash strength someone who would work in your, like, would work in your industry like would need like what what skills do they you know what personality traits do they need to to be successful i guess if you if you get what i mean it's a complicated question but yeah i know i think the one thing that's true for a lot of profession is really passion because our world the culinary world again there are other profession it's a lot quite of competition it's competitive it's physical you know, when other people are having fun, you are working. You know, uh, when you're in the hospitality business, as I was for 25 years, uh, very few days off, no holidays, very little social life. But the passion and the love for hospitality, or for uh, entertaining others, for giving of yourself and that passion, I think it's, it's one of the most, because you can get better at some skills, you can chop better, you can learn how to cook different techniques, but the, the sense of, of hospitality and, and passion and giving to others is something that I think you either have or you don't have. So I think that um, if, if you're, if somebody your age or at some point that they wanna, I usually suggest just trying it out, you know, just going and, and working a little bit or volunteering a little bit and seeing if even though it's hard it's hot it's cold it's long days you still feel very accomplished at the end of the day so i think that's something that you 
should pursue. I think that also, again, like many other professions, we finally realize in our culinary world that the management and and you know entrepreneurship skills are are beyond important. I mean, it's a business, um, and and as such should be run as it. So it's being organized. It's being financially responsible, or at least surrounding yourselves with people who who can you can partner with to bring those elements that you're lacking. So, just knowing how to make a good steak, I wouldn't build a career off of it. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into it. <laughs> and I think that one thing to be said about you know when I started cooking, my mother and father weren't really excited about this. Um, it wasn't really a profession back then. It was kind of a, something you did if you failed everything else. <laughs> I think that uh, nowadays the culinary world is so much bigger than just cooking and baking. You know, you have uh, food science and technology. You could write about food. You could do food photography, food styling. You can manufacture. You could be a beer brewer, a distiller, a coffee roaster. Um, there's so You could be a farmer. You know, uh, that, you know, farm from a culinary perspective. So I think it's really exciting to see all of these uh, things that didn't necessarily exist when I started or existed, but just weren't, you know, as glorious as what they are right now. Yeah, it's like well-renowned. Or... And, and one thing to really keep in mind, it, it takes time. You know, it's a journey. You know, it's some of the what we see in social media or you know, reality TV and other, it's, you know, these people didn't end up there from one day to the next. So it's it's great that they ended where they ended and they're very successful. Uh, but it's very easy to see the end result and not understanding the journey. It's, it's like, you know, I wouldn't compare it to some, you know, lifelong mission or samurai journey to become uh, <laughs> where we need to be. But uh, <laughs> You do need to go to certain steps to understand the, the 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 various aspects of the business, and so you're basically saying you need to be able to put. You have to have the drive and the passion to put in the work to, to get yes, ahead. Yes, absolutely. And and I think that it's important to learn from bad experiences of things that you just don't enjoy, and and not force yourself. Uh, I wouldn't say quit every three minutes, but understanding that some things just doesn't work, you know, and, and maybe you should move on to the next. Uh, to yeah, the next that's, what you, that's what you do now, right? With your with your spices, right? If something doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, I'm very open about this idea that after 20 something years, I realized that I had no desire to open a restaurant yet. Kind of that was the path I was set, you know, I cooked and this and it became better. And the expectation is that one day you'll have a restaurant and I. Yeah, isn't that what to... most like chefs do you know in training then they move up and then they open yeah. their own and then, then they i train. yeah decided to take kind of a, a little turn to the left or to the right it doesn't matter remain in the industry still be connected to cooking but uh but be kind of i wouldn't say behind the scene but kind of part of the the supplier chain of of cooks at home and in restaurant but still show them how they can cook better with what I do today, which is spices, you know, and, and I think it could be with many others. Yes, you're basically aiding aiding them in cooking. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's Correct. almost like your spices are like cheating, you know? It's like, you know, get home, you just put one one thing, open one jar, boom, it's all, it's all ready there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's cheating. You could say the same <laughs> as like you know buying a great steak. I mean, yes, you you could buy a farm and and raise your own cow or you know go fish everything. I mean, I think the idea is to really source the best ingredients that you know are around you or affordable from whoever and then cooking is it's it's assembly it's an assemblage of of like really good products and and putting them together in the right sequence with the right method but uh you don't need to make everything it's one thing to know how it's made but it's okay to buy it from people who are you know you know, race drivers don't make their cars. They usually, you know, source really good cars from manufacturers. They bring a skill to the game and somebody else brings something else. Yeah, so speaking of ingredients, how do you, like, ensure that your ingredients are fresh and, you know, and retain the like, the quality that you want? You know, that's it's, just... A... It's an ongoing, it's an ongoing process. It never ends, even 15 years in the business. There's so many different it's, ingredients, right? They all have to be managed It's perfectly. still every time reevaluating your suppliers and their sources and their method of production, their seasonality. So it's always kind of finding out kind of what's the best source at the best price, the best quality that we can obtain. So it's not like I'm today after 15 years, like, oh, I just push a button and everything arrives <laughs> here. And Perfect. it's always amazing. <laughs> no, it's, I wish it's, I mean, in certain ways, I, I, I also don't wish it's like, because it keeps me kind of always alert of, you know, the, the quality that we get and the sources and our suppliers. So it's something and that do I you like. always and choose I like, quality yeah. at the top. Always. I, yeah, I don't, money until I find the quality. I mean, I kind of have an idea, but if it comes at, you know, $5 more, or $2 or $3 more, which are significantly big, you know, costs when you talk about spices, you know, the, the pricing aren't that high. Yeah. Um, so I choose quality over everything else. So like, that's your, that's your, like, your chef values, I guess. You value quality. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't. But every chef should magic. value quality. Yeah, I can't. Listen, it's, you know, sometimes um, I would just say, sorry, we're not going to buy this and we're going to wait until price is going to come down, even though the quality is great on certain items that I can. Um, and, you know, a little bit like in any other uh, products, there, there could be something that's as near, but, you know, a bit more affordable, but it's still really good. I I might go for it sometimes, for sure. And sometimes it's just not available because the season's over, there's just not enough. So I got to make a decision whether I go with the slightly less uh, better, but still very high quality. Yeah, do you normally, because I, I assume in your store, you don't sell all 200 whatever spices at all times, right? So does it depend we on have seasons? About... We have about 80 or 90 blends and then about 80, 90 single spices. So it's not far from it. Ah, so, but then like, what about the ones you don't sell? Is that just because like you'll sell them again later or is it season or you just no, moved on to a new one? We, the ones that we don't sell at the store are primarily meant for particular clients like chefs and restaurants and hotels and things like that. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. Do uh, chefs buy your pre-made blends or is it more just the spice? Absolutely. Like oh, it's about 50% of our business is 
what we call food service, which is, again, restaurants and bakeries and distillers and beer brewers, airlines. Um, and your so, name yeah, is, all, is over all of that, yeah. Uh, it's in the back of the kitchen. I mean, I don't know that, you know, <clears throat> some choose to highlight it on the menu. Uh, yeah, when right. you look at it, it will say whatever spice, but yeah, our work is mainly behind the scene. Wow. Wait, so 50%, huh? But then the other 50% is home cooks, you think, right? Yeah, that just come in Correct. like us. Yeah. Uh, buy online, buy the store. They buy at other stores that carry our products. Yeah. So yeah, how is man? Yeah, that's another aspect. You're you're like an owner technically, right? You're an, you're an owner of a store, I owner am. of a business. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so how's managing? How's managing that over? You know, how do you think? So it's something. Do you think that, that's like uh, different from managing like a restaurant? You think probably right? I mean, it's a whole different. I I think that you know owning owning a business it doesn't matter in what domain you are it comes with um, certain challenges. I happen to love these challenges. It's, I don't think it's recommended for everybody. I think that, you know, uh, it requires a different sets of skills and, and endurance because there's really no work hours. Um, work is all the time and everywhere, even though, you know, you put certain boundaries and you have a great team, but at the end of the day, it's, it's you, you know, and, uh, Again, even 15 years later, last night, the alarm went off here at the factory and 4 a.m., you get a phone call from the alarm company and, you know, uh, it's, wow. it's part of what I do. It's, rough it's night, less rough exciting. night of sleep, huh? It's less glorified and if there's, God forbid, a leak or something breaks or an employee that quits or hiring <laughs> and so... Um, it's, it's things to think about. The, the more the business grow. The, more the less a little bit, more of that, but the, the less you kind of deal with the core of what, you know, you started with, which was, you know, for me is spice blending. I do less and less spice blending uh, over the years just because I have so many other things to manage uh, that some days I'll just be sitting behind my desk, even though I'm here at the factory. And I was like, oh, I didn't even touch one spice today. I didn't blend anything. I didn't grind anything. I didn't, Wait, uh, 200 plus spices. That's a pretty, pretty hefty menu already. So I don't know how many people. Yeah, but buy? it's still, it's still, you know, I still enjoy very much when, you know, somebody is like, oh, can I take a day off tomorrow? I was like, yeah, please. And then because I know that I'm going to be replacing them and I'm going to get to pack things or blend something and kind of do stuff that I haven't been oh, doing so, in a yeah. while. And so there. So your employees, I don't know how many you have, but they're uh, they're blending for you, right? They're or... Blending, they're packing, they're labeling. So you're telling them, shipping. you're telling them the the secrets, like all the, all the. Uh, as much as they need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not everybody gets, you know. There's only certain team members that, you know, it's part of their responsibility. They've been with me for quite some time and proved. You know, uh, you know, prove that that's something that they can handle. It's not just necessarily giving somebody a recipe; it's also making sure that they can execute it. You know, uh, everybody. Yeah, because can your read your name recipe. is on that. Your name is on that. You want to? Yeah, sure my I name and, and the brand and the responsibility. So, uh, yeah, I I think that if 
you know, somebody is listening to it and has any ambition of starting their own business, uh, which I think is amazing, but it just comes with a set of responsibilities and, and knowing what you're getting into. And, and if it's something that you love and again, you're passionate about, then I think it's, I think there's, it's, it's a very rewarding experience knowing that you have an idea, you're creating something, you're able to share it with others along the way, make a couple of dollars, which never hurt. <laughs> and, um, and, and then getting feedback from people who are enjoying this product that you kind of said somewhere in a room or at your house and envision it, and then you bring it to life. It's really gratifying and satisfying. Uh, it's, it's a so great it never thing. it never gets old. The feeling of just no. I get you know. I look at. I look. I get an email for every order that we get on the website. I could have easily chosen not to get these email alerts, <laughs> uh, but I look at. I look at each and every one of them, or at least most of them, and I was like, wow. You know, even 15 years later, it's amazing to, you know, I wish I could say thank you to each and every, every person, one person yeah. but um, it, it's super motivating, you know, when, when you see these orders coming, it really pushes me every day to, to keep on doing things. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. How would you, yeah. Then how would you describe your management style? Yeah. Um, I am, you know. Everybody knows what they need to do, so things are quite clear. Uh, the, the the description of what your requirement there's. I give people lots of responsibility and lots of freedom. I make sure that they understand what's asked, but after that, I'm leave it to I them. I don't trust. I leave it to them. I I'm around and I look and I have a way of of doing it. And I gotta tell you that I've learned over the many years. From things that at first I like, oh, this is not high. I do it, but I was like, you know what? Just give it a minute, and they actually do it better, different but better. Man, different, and different we, minds, yeah. A uh, different technique of doing it, or different sequel, or different way. And you know, at the end of the day, if the work is done, the product is what you know. Uh, I, we as as a team agree that it should be then. I don't honestly care how you make it, and you well, know, has anyone ever uh, been like, "Hey, Lior, like I, I just tried your spice, but I think it'd be like way better if we added a little bit more, blah blah blah, whatever." You're like, "Oh, maybe no, never, never." I, <laughs> no one's no, ever. No, I just never had that um, in a way. Um, but in terms of like, you know, how to scale or how to grind or how to pack. A lot of great ideas in terms of storage and logistics. And I have a team member here who came from uh, a, a large cheese company with a lot of shipping. And she actually implemented a lot of great flows on how to pack and how to organize orders and how to communicate. And I was like, this is, she was like, do you mind? I was like, do I mind? Go for it. I mean, uh, I think it's amazing. And I also asked all of my team members here to write their own job description kind of really define what it is that they're supposed to do uh and and we go over it and i was like okay this makes sense it doesn't but if you decide that you come every day at 9 15 and that that's fine by me as long as it works really don't come at night don't come at 9 35 or 9 45 but if if you know your hours could be 9 15 to 3 55 instead of 9 to 4 
and you know that you come and you set up your station and this is what you do and this is who you report to and etc i was like if that's the way you want to do it and it fits then let's do it but then at least there's something that we can both refer to if there's no you know nothing goes like oh why you were not doing this like well i don't know should i be doing this and so you know, and and uh, no, everyone, own, everyone has every, strict guidelines of what to, everyone knows what they're uh, doing. It's it's strict. It's more about knowing what they're supposed to. And I also ask them every year to if if there's something that they want to do more, or, or if they want to move to a different area, if they want to explore other activities, uh, if they want more responsibility, which I give them regardless. But also, everybody here on the team is pretty much able to do everything that the other ones do. Except for one. So of if anyone's ever like, like sick, then people can sub in and help out. And... Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We it will take a lot of people to be out that day for the place to kind of seize activity. Well, that's that's. Uh, I think that's the dream. Honestly, like you know, everyone has a. It's like a, it's like a nice, almost like a community, I guess. Of, it is it is and and i have a great team great people working here and and they're super fun to work with and uh they each bring their own thing nobody hears from the culinary industry they all came from various other professions uh just with you know great motivation wanted to learn and it's great yeah so has there been any like challenges that you had to overcome when just running a business like what's your you think your biggest challenge that you overcame <laughs> i don't think it ever stopped uh <laughs> listen i think you know covid for all of us oh co- oh yeah weird. i completely forgot about yeah you know that thing called covid um <laughs> it's not over by the way um, oh yeah i know no so that was definitely a big oh, yeah. kind of blow but something about it was very ex- i mean obviously it was horrible in many ways but from a business perspective i i found a lot of it really exciting and challenging in a very positive way i was like okay we have a problem we lost all of our restaurant accounts which back then was 70 percent. imagine that you had a business and somebody's like oh uh tomorrow you're gonna lose 70 percent of your business uh, good luck. Yeah, because they all closed down because co- at least at the peak they, of COVID, everything was down. Yeah, they all closed down and then slowly start reopening. But, you know, you you go home and you you freak out a little bit. And it's like, what's going to happen? And it's like, I came the next day and we had a big meeting. And I was like, this is this is the reality. I don't know how long and why. Um, let's, let's try to figure out things that we could do to, to keep, keep going until there's a solution, which we did. Yeah, so is, is your rest, is most of the restaurants back in, back in a business? A lot of them are, a lot, I'd say about 70% of them are back. Uh, some clothes will never reopen, start, some are still slowly reopening. Uh, we got some new clients, so it's, it's a nice mix. We're not back where we were pre-COVID. But it's like a whole new, it's basically just all new then. Basically, is what you're telling me. New people. Correct. I mean, there's some returning, but yeah, that's so that's great. So yeah, Co- I I forgot COVID's probably one of the biggest problems for a store owner like yourself. But I think yep. everything is hopefully getting I don't know back to normal is the right word, but 
Yeah. Yeah, and then I guess, yeah, I mean, it's been great. I think I have a personal question. And that's, okay. uh, well, what, do you have a favorite spice? No, I don't think there's Not one. Never? I, think that, I think that spices as a category, it's something that I, I have a hard time cooking without. You know, uh, so I think it's it's an ingredient that it's going to be very hard for me not to cook with. And then, yeah, and then how do you, so I was looking around at your store today, there's all these, like, names for your spices. I was wondering how you name them. Uh, it's like... usually, like, a place or a person. Uh, those are kind of, most of the name are a place or a person. Yeah, so let's, there's a let's... couple. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, I remember I picked one for this podcast. Uh, this one. Okay, this is Isaac. I, yeah. Yeah. What, so what, Isaac yeah. was my grandfather. And how come you named it Isaac? Because so... the blend is inspired by Harissa, which is this North African chili paste. And my grandfather was Tunisian. So when I worked on this Harissa powder, uh, I thought that it would make total sense to kind of honor his uh, <clears throat> legacy and, and Tunisian cooking and all of that via via the spice blend. So that was quite obvious to me that it was going to be. Wow, so big stories behind all these names, huh? Yeah. And no yeah. one really, I guess no one except you would know that then, huh? When they get this. Uh, it, I don't know that all of them are on the website in terms of the story. Um, it could be something interesting to one day add it. Uh, but you do, but every value. spice does have a story, even if not oh, everyone yeah. knows it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they they're never like a random something. There's they're always a result of a certain process, a trip, an experience. Ah, wow! That I didn't. I actually didn't expect that. You know, I've there's so many here. I I, I thought the name was like because of the spice but like i don't know i didn't yeah. know i mean there's some obviously like smoked cinnamon like you know that's yeah smoke, that's i mean there's smoked salt and smoked cinnamon it is, smoked what it so, is. i don't know i love smoked salt. A... i mean that's kind of a basic <laughs> one i guess but you know my favorite but yeah anyways i think to you know it's been great i think there's a lot of i think to, to end off the podcast just kind of or the episode let's say uh i think like how would you just describe your experience in like, you know, on all of this in general? Like if someone was like, you know, sat down with you, like how I am now and was like, you know, in like one or two sentences, describe your entire experience. Like what did you take away from this? Your entire, you know, it's a very, that's a very big question. I know, but. I think I have, you know, an amazing journey. I wouldn't change a thing. I think I've, the pleasure of traveling, meeting incredible people, eating amazing food, drinking great wine. Uh, what what could be better? You know, I think that food allowed me to really see the world beyond that. Meet people, which one is one of my biggest passion is is just meeting people and learning about who they are and what they do and kind of what. And what gets them excited or, or what speaks to them. Um, so I, I'm very thankful that I chose this profession because it really 
allowed me to do all of that. And, and it involved so many aspects of life, history and politics and, and, and culture and religion and food. Uh, you know, so culinary world is a very complex one if, if you know what you're doing and you, it can take you places. And yeah, you will always make friends because everybody wants to eat. I mean, yeah, that's a that's something everyone could share a love for, I guess, right? You'll become everybody's best friend. Everybody <laughs> will be happy to have you over or or um, come uh-huh. over. Yeah, it's kind of like knowing. But that's why you cook. You said for people. It's a. I I think that's my my you know my why in life is to kind of entertain people. And, and give them a great experience. Yeah, and then I feel like I feel like we kind of skipped over uh, your biscuits and stuff. I feel like I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole other podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think we make we make cookies. We I love baking. I love desserts. Yeah, that's an inter- that's again... an interesting blend. I get. I mean, no, are your, your biscuits? Do you use your? You don't use any spices that like spices you make in your biscuits right they're just oh yeah we do we you yeah. do oh yeah we do in each of them and it's a great way to showcase that bis- that spices could be used in baked goods and sweets and you know we we do with stuff with beverages so uh, it's, it's just about, another yeah. fun way yeah oh yeah anyway do you yeah i mean yes yeah, yeah because i when I first looked at it, I was like, weird combination, spice, a spice and biscuit shop, you know, but yeah, but it works. It works pretty well. I mean, if you're showcasing that spices can be used in almost anything, including biscuits, yeah. which, you know, I never thought was something, I don't know. You never envision this, you know, biscuits and spices going together, but yeah. Anyways, Lior, thank cool. you for being on the thank episode. You. I think, of course. Yeah, so by the way, before we end this episode, uh, if people would like to learn more about you and everything, where can they find you? So the best place is our website, laboitny.com, L-A-B-O-I-T-E-N-Y.com. My whole life is there. Everything's there. Recipes, products, events, location, Spice Academy. Whatever, yeah. yeah, everything, yeah. So... So that's the best place. That's the best place, unless you're on the famous gram and you know it's at uh, La Boite NY or just at LA underscore B O I T. Uh, Yeah, so yeah, hopefully people, yeah, uh, people that are interested in culinary have a little bit more assurance from you. So thank you, Lior. Thank you, thank you. Of course, thanks a lot.